What up, Rinku Army, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows, and on this episode of the Square Circle Podcast, we need to talk about a very serious conversation, and that is, why is All Elite Wrestling all filler now with no substance? That's right. That is my truth and assessment of All Elite Wrestling, the best wrestling brand that has come out since 2019 and has been showered with praise and rants on this podcast. And now it's time to talk about it. I've been putting this on the back burner for a very long time. And that's because I couldn't find the words and I couldn't find the courage to talk about AEW. Just mainly because if you talk about AEW and you give constructive criticisms like I would give them, I get nothing. The AEW faithful just sees me under the radar and, you know, that's cool. But at least I know people are listening even if they're not commenting And then the other factor is that even if I do give constructive criticism and want to be seen and heard, I am probably considered a troll at that point because trolls are now interchangeable with people who want to help to people who just say mean and negative things when they wake up in the morning. I, Marie Shadows, want to help the wrestling business as a whole. And these podcast episodes have helped people before because I know because I've read messages from them. And sometimes when you chase after a company that wants to surround themselves with family, it's hard to get your foot in the door. I'm technically not family to any one of those guys in AEW, even though I've met Matt, Nick, Kenny and Cody and Brandy way before All Elite Wrestling formed. And this was in 2018 of November, a month after WWE let me go. And my whole goal in professional wrestling is just to be a backstage hand. Hell, my bumps still suck. I can run the ropes. I don't mind learning the foundations. I don't mind learning every single thing that wrestling has to offer. And this pandemic is definitely not helping. The only thing that I see is that AEW is growing their roster very fast. And I'm going to use the word growing very loosely because when you have that many people on your shows to fill up AEW Dark, AEW Dark Evelation, and then AEW Dynamite, people get lost in the shuffle, stories get lost in the shuffle, and priorities are not set. AEW has no priorities because if they did, AEW Dynamite would have never struggled to reach 1 million viewers when they were going head to head with NXT in this imaginary war, however you want to take it. If AEW had a destination for their main stories, I could definitely talk about it on this podcast. The only reason why I slowed down on talking about All Elite Wrestling is because, and this is a truth coming from me. I have become disinterested in the AEW programming. And that is only because of how stories are handled and how messy sometimes the show would get. 
And for the sake of this podcast episode, I am only going to be talking about AEW Dynamite. I will not be talking about AEW Dark and Dark Evelation because my focus is on the main show because that main show is on cable television. That main show is not on YouTube. While there are a lot of people that do watch YouTube, you're not really attracting any new viewers because not everyone goes on YouTube to be like, oh my God, let me see the hottest wrestling there is. People have different interests and there's people all over the world that you guys can definitely get eyes on. But if you guys are not promoting your YouTube videos in ads, then you're not getting any new viewers. And I don't know why you guys are not doing that. You guys are not showing any type of commercial in ads. You guys are not spending the ad revenue that you guys should in order to get more eyes on the product when it comes to the YouTube state of AEW. So that way, maybe they could tune in on Wednesday nights on TNT to see it on cable. But, you know, the YouTube algorithm is very shady and is very weird. And if you know how to finally tune it you guys would definitely get more eyes on it people be talking about it more and it wouldn't just feel like word of mouth when it comes to sharing youtube stuff because the wrestlers who are on the show they do a wonderful and a very good job of promoting themselves promoting the show promoting their matches AEW does it too but the workhorses are the wrestlers that do it and half of me is like that's good and then that's bad that's good because the wrestlers can learn how to do their own marketing by themselves but then again a wrestler is not always the keen person and the nicest person on social media when they get a bunch of negative comments so sometimes wrestlers don't know how to handle that type of situation very well sometimes and then it's also bad too because it's like AEW still feels like it's indies. AEW does not feel like it's a national show. It does not feel like it's a powerhouse. And I'm not saying that to compete with WWE. I'm just saying that in the terms of having the wrestlers and also AEW to push out the cards and the matches so that we people on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram can remember, hey guys, don't forget Monday coming up, it's AEW Dark Evelation. Oh guys, don't forget Tuesday, it's AEW Dark. Like overall, if we really think about it, it's not a bad ploy to do. The only problem is, is that the wrestlers are spending so much time promoting their matches, showing people the match cards so that they could tune in on YouTube of all places that they don't have time to do videos themselves to keep themselves in the public eye. People on Twitter are more inclined to be like, oh, my God, did you see this wrestler? He put up this video with this person. Or did you see this wrestler talking shit about this person? Like, sometimes wrestlers need to work on their wrestling game and not really too much on, like, promotion because the company that's backing them should be doing the promotion for them. The wrestlers can do it, can learn. But most of the time, I would definitely have the wrestlers try to start some shit. So that way you could be hyped for the upcoming match and maybe don't feel as bad when you watch it. And knowing that the wrestlers that they've been picking up lately are going to get a squash match. 
and then it means nothing yeah cool you're giving them a paycheck during a pandemic and you're giving them exposure but what wrestler wants to show a promoter on the indies that hey this is the match i had in AEW. um i know i lost but can i still get booked on your show no wrestler wants to show a promoter that they lost on AEW or any place whatsoever so i think that overall it does a disservice to all the wrestlers that they get and that they quote unquote sign and that they have around I also think that wins and losses should not even be a thing for AW Dark and AW Dark Evelation only because those feel like tryout matches. They feel like developmental because they had the women down there for a while and they're building up the women's division on AW Dark and Evelation. And then whatever comes on AW Dynamite feels like the afterthought. In a way, they put so much time and effort on Dark and Evelation that sometimes I'm just like, I forget how big the women's division is. And there's still not enough clicking between how deep and diverse the women's division on Dark and Dark Evelation is compared to what we see on Dynamite. And I get that Dynamite is a two hour show and they have a very limited spot for it. But something's going to have to happen in the future where the women can feel as good as Dark and Evelation to see all those social media posts about here's a women's match here and here's a women's match there. And they've been doing a lot of tag team stuff in here and single stuff there. You know, tag team is just to be seen just to get the in-ring time. Uh, but then again, YouTube is unlimited. You have unlimited power and resources to use YouTube to its full potential rather than cable television. So, you know, yeah, I don't know. As much as the women's division for AEW has definitely improved, there's still something missing. There's still something there that it hasn't really clicked. We get really good matches between women who have really good chemistry, don't get me wrong, but again, there's something that's missing and I'm not exactly sure what it is. All right, moving on from YouTube stuff and let's talk about AEW Dynamite. AEW Dynamite is a good show when it wants to be, when it has its priorities figured out. In the long run, I want them to succeed and be around for years to come. In the short term, I need them to step up their game and I need them to make sense of the stories that are happening. And I need some serious characters. Every character that comes out is either goofy or funny or lighthearted or just being overly obnoxious for no reason, no true reason. And overall, it's just what am I really watching? I want to be entertained at the same time of falling in love with the characters and knowing the motivations and knowing that somebody really wants a championship and they're going to go for it and they're going to do everything in their power to get whatever championship they want rather than these false matches that we get, these false chases that we get. Why do people have to go chase the Young Bucks and don't see a reward at the end of it? The first time that I got really disinterested is this whole messy story between the Young Bucks, 
Kenny, Good Brothers, this fake Bullet Club thing that they're trying to revive, but then they dropped it, and then the Young Bucks don't know they want to side with Kenny. They do side with Kenny, and then they don't side with Kenny, and then they finally decide to side with Kenny because they are loyal to Kenny, and I get it, you know. I am a fan of Kenny Omega. I am a loyal Kenny Omega fan, but... When things don't make sense, you're not going to keep my attention. When things don't make sense, you're not going to keep most fans' attention. And then they're still going to talk shit online. And you guys are still going to be petty and poke the bear. They're going to poke the bear right back. And no one wins in the end. You know, at the end of all of this, they're going to say, oh, yeah, we worked the marks. We worked the fans. Half the time, people are just going to tune out and be like, what's the point of this? It's time for AEW to grow up and become serious and tell us serious stories. You guys can definitely tell good stories. I know you guys can because I fell in love with a bunch of Young Buck stories and a bunch of Kenny Omega stories in New Japan Pro Wrestling and also that span to Ring of Honor a couple of times. So I know that you guys are definitely capable of being the best storytellers on this planet but if you're going to continue to be petty and change your bio every single day just to annoy the fans just to quote-unquote work the fans then why did you start AEW in the first place was it to terrorize the fans and be like hey look we made it we sold out that 10,000 seat arena in Chicago for all in and now we're here on a national stage on cable television and we still, you know, are the best. And those that are bad mouthing us, you guys are still the worst. You know, like, why do you have that mentality? You should be bringing in everyone and not alienating anyone. I used to be a very huge advocate for everything, all the wrestling and also being the elite show on YouTube. And Being the Elite ties in with AEW because if you follow Being the Elite, there were stories that were being told on there. And it was just another avenue of elevating stories and, you know, me breaking down stuff and watching something that I love. Now I realize that if there's no promotion between the two, if we're really not going to get back to the roots and we're going to be doing things in a messy way. It kind of hinders me from being that fan and talking to non-fans to be like, oh, yeah, you know, you have to watch all this. And I used to tell them, yeah, you have to watch all this and then you'll know that. But then later it just broke down into like, oh, let's just wing it. And, you know, this is probably the first time that I've missed two Being the Elite episodes because I just can't take the over-the-top cheesy characters just because they want to get petty at everyone who's being negative, everyone who's talking shit. Everyone talks shit in this world. Hell, the Young Bucks, Kenny, and the Good Brothers probably talk shit all the time. But if you're not going to own it, and if you're not going to rise above it, then again, what new fans are you trying to get to your product? When I, myself, who's watched wrestling, who's been in this business, who loves this business, can't tell a casual fan the stories of AEW. 
who can't tell them this is how we got here. This is how we got Kenny Omega to have four freaking belts. This is how Kenny Omega became the cleaner of AEW. But then again, is he really being the cleaner? He's being the belt collector. And I really thought that was going to be a very serious turning point in his career. A new character, a new version of Kenny Omega, the belt collector, the one that didn't give a shit about if he entered into New Japan Pro Wrestling the week after he won the AEW World Championship title off of John Moxley just to challenge Kota Ibushi for those double championships before it got unified into one like I would have loved to see a no-nonsense don't give a shit Kenny Omega to go into people's establishments and demand that he fight their very best and become the Goku of his journey to take all the belts from the companies and show the world why AEW is needed, show the world why AEW is the best, and show the world why he is the best bout machine, and he is the best one to become the champion of every single company there is. Like, go on a fucking rampage. If you are going to cheat the way that you did against John Moxie to get the championship title, well, then go 100%. Go all in and just be the fucking bastard you were supposed to be as the belt collector. Man, storytelling. It writes itself. He could have been the Thanos of professional wrestling. He currently is getting back up there, but it's just not being as hard-hitting as it should be if this is going to be kenny omega's last ride in his professional wrestling journey because i know those nagging injuries are catching up to him he might want to even do more stuff with aw games why not go all in why not go 100 percent and be a true badass villain and then we bring up and paint up hangman adam page as the saving light of the wrestling world to dethrone Kenny Omega. Like, come on, I could write this for you. This is a very simple story of good versus evil. And it didn't need the creation of adding the Young Bucks to this story at all. The Young Bucks could have stayed where they at. But, you know, we're here now. This is what we have to deal with. I just think that it was a wasted opportunity to build up Kenny Omega the way that Don Callis did, the way that Kenny Omega did, and all of a sudden just falls flat. Like, I don't know. January is like, yeah, we're going to go push hard for wrestling and be these amazing characters and be the right characters. And then all of a sudden, when they have too much responsibility that's not wrestling related, it falls off and it becomes lazy. It, it loses focus. But then again, when you don't have a destination in mind to get your viewers and your fans to that ultimate destination, then everyone loses focus. Like, I was getting a little bit tired of seeing John Moxie go for the championship title and doing this and doing that. That's only because I'm not really a huge John Moxie fan. I'm not really a John Moxie fan at all. His promos are hit or miss for me. His matches are hit or miss for me. It just depends on how he's feeling and if I'm digging the match. And most likely, that's like a no. But the chances of him always going after Kenny for the championship title and then they had to get the death match going, which was a very PG-13-esque death match. It wasn't that bad. 
And then finally they stopped. And then now we have Kenny doing the invasion with Impact Wrestling. And this is where a lot of opportunity is missed. So, as we all know, as soon as Kenny Omega won the AEW World Championship title on December 2nd, 2020, he showed up on Impact Wrestling. And that's a first, you know, we're in a day and age where the pandemic has definitely forced us to change the way that we book professional wrestling, the way that we think about professional wrestling and enjoy professional wrestling. So having Kenny Omega as the AEW champion to go over to impact wrestling was definitely unheard of. And that brought eyes to impact wrestling. Beautiful, right? Awesome. That was the start of a great relationship. And no, it wasn't because again, they missed a lot of opportunities. The very big opportunity that they missed was as soon as a foreign challenger who carries another company's gold around their shoulder steps on your turf. There was no sense of urgency. There was no sense of what are you doing here? You shouldn't be here. Even if Don Callis is an EVP of Impact Wrestling and has some stake and say in matters and all that kind of stuff. You as a wrestler who's been holding down Impact Wrestling for years. Why would you allow someone who's unknown Someone to come in with someone else's title belt and walk around like they own the place. No, you wouldn't stand for that. In real life, you wouldn't stand for that. So Impact Wrestling didn't have that urgency that they needed when Kenny Omega was there the first couple of weeks or probably like the month. And yeah. Kenny Omega brought eyes to Impact Wrestling. And then all of a sudden there was a period of silence there was nothing happening. There was no rumblings. The only thing that was happening is that week after week on Impact Wrestling, we saw those AEW ads. And at first, I liked those ads. They were funny. They were quirky. They were over the top. They reminded me of the 80s styles promos. And you could definitely tell that both Tony Khan and Tony Schiavone were having a great time in those promos. But just week after week after week of seeing it and then... Also listening to Ross and Tama on Thomas Island that they have the podcast on Twitch. Ross loves bringing up very good points about these ads. And eventually I started to not like them, especially when Ross and Tama were talking about the term of the forbidden door and how like it's a very silly thing to do and to name yourself the one that got the forbidden door open to have these partnerships happen and it's all thanks to him and I totally get that in the business of professional wrestling there's kayfabe and that you should play it up and even if you're not like the sole person to have the number one thing you know, you should just play it up and be like, oh, well, I'm the person that got the forbidden door open. Congratulations. We'll send you a medal down the line for doing that. But the forbidden door has always been open to partnerships across the board, especially during the territory days. Ric Flair will take his damn NWA belt to every other promotion on the circuit in the States. Take it to AWA. Take it to Mid-South, take it to Texas, take it to everywhere else and defend that NWA championship title against the very best 
of who that territory had to offer. That's why we have the classic matchups of Ric Flair versus Devon Eriks because Ric Flair will put his wrestling ability on the line to prove that he was one of the best to go up against one of the best in the territories when he did the whole entire circuit. The only problem is, is that sometimes egos are definitely not checked at the door when these type of partnerships happen. And thus, we no longer have these partnerships because Vince decided to buy up all the territories. And then all of a sudden, Tony Khan is like, yep, I am the Forbidden Door master and I have opened the Forbidden Door and I allow these partnerships to happen. You probably laid the foundation for what sounded good to be like, oh, let's have this happen. Let's have that happen. And let's just see how this works. But then again, if you want to be the face, sometimes you have to play it up. But the conversation on that Tama Islands podcast about the whole Forbidden Door thing it opened my eyes to be like, well, that's a little petty and silly and I get it. But after that, the commercials were definitely not hitting as they used to. And only now do we see a small resurgence in Kenny Omega coming back and taping those impact shows so that way he could be on those impact shows. But during that whole entire radio silence between AEW and Impact Wrestling, no Impact Wrestler other than the Good Brothers, have stepped foot into AEW programming. Why? It makes no sense. The only other time that AEW wrestlers has stepped foot into Impact Wrestling to give eyes and buzz is Matt Hardy returning with Private Party to take on the Good Brothers and Chris Saban and Jane Storm and just to disrupt that whole entire division and then we had the story coming in that Sammy Guevara wanted to do something different with his story in Impact Wrestling and nobody agreed and that got thrown out the window so Sammy Guevara stayed over in AEW which I think that if someone else was there and they probably would have heard the situation a little bit better and probably tried to get both parties to agree to have Sammy in Impact Wrestling it would have been a really good time for that if there was like a second person to make the parties understand that Sammy is money and that Sammy would have been really helpful to impact. The other thing too, is that if they would have let private parties stay in impact wrestling, it would have elevated eyes on both products to see if private party will go back to AEW and dominate the division or if private party would have ran into fin juice of new japan pro wrestling like imagine the missed opportunity like that to not have private party against david finley and juice robinson like this is why on the surface level it looks one-sided it feels one-sided it definitely looks bad I don't know the contents of the partnership, the extensive deal, whatever you want to call it. But on the surface level, it does look like it was made for AEW to take over Impact, to dominate Impact. And Impact doesn't do anything. Impact have all these tape shows and nothing really relates to one another. There's no like setup angles where it's like, we can't allow Kenny Omega to come into impact 
and talk his shit even if Don Callis is EVP. We can't allow Private Party to be here, but if Private Party can prove their worth in the tag division, maybe we'll let them slide because they are true to the tag team division. You know, there's certain things like that where people should be acting real, even if professional wrestling is not real 100%. But for you to get fans attached to your programming, for you to get fans buzzing and talking about it, these are the missed opportunities that I could think off the top of my head that has been missed in this partnership that definitely feels one-sided. And I'm not sure how to feel yet about Kenny Omega holding four belts. I understand why he's continuing to hold the AAA belt. Mexico at the moment is shut down, so he can't really defend the AAA belt over in Mexico and or in the States. And then he is the AEW world champion and Hangman, who's number one in the rankings, hasn't even challenged Kenny Omega. When he's asked a question about Kenny Omega, he avoids it. That's not the Hangman I want. The hangman I want is someone that's serious, someone that's going to knock Kenny on his ass and be like, yo, I'm taking all that gold. But what is he doing? He's hanging out with Dark Order, being stupid, being friendly, being a character that doesn't know where his destination is, being a character that got lost in the shuffle. And how do you sign Hangman Adam Page to be the first person on the roster to not only lose the first time around for the championship title, but then to treat him like shit and to have him do everything but go after Kenny and get his revenge for the way that Kenny treated him when they were tag team champions. Like, it makes no sense. Like, oh my God. I want Hangman to succeed and stop being the anxious millennial cowboy because Every wrestler in every single point of their career has a turning point, meaning that their character should be growing, their character should be learning, their character should be understanding their faults and their motivations and be evolving with the times and not try to piggyback off of sympathy and empathy and continue to do what they do. And avoid the number one question of when are you going to face Kenny Omega? Because he is so far down that I'm not even sure how it's going to take him to get back up. Sure, he's number one in the rankings. But, you know, if you really wanted that championship gold, like that's the main priority in professional wrestling is to gain gold, to have that gold so that you could be talked about. You could be in that spotlight. But if your priority is not that and your priority is hanging out with good friends and drinking, well, then there goes my point again. Nobody in AEW, nothing in AEW has any type of priority and everything is filler until we get to a corner and you need a way to back out. But the only thing you could think of is to quickly destroy your story arc and your character arc by going full force when it's like, now you get it. Now you want to do it. Because I've seen online that people want Kenny Omega versus Hangman Adam Page at Double or Nothing. And technically, that would have worked. But... Guess what? Double or Nothing is May 25th. 
at the time of this recording, it is April 27, 2021. We do not have enough time to create a damn good story where it has all the good feels, all the emotional baggage, everything that you want between a Hangman Adam Page, a Kenny Omega, and a Young Buck story. We don't have enough time and everyone is playing around with messing with the fans, losing focus. There's no priority. Oh, we're just going to do fun stuff. Oh, we're just going to pick on the fans. Oh, you know, we're just going to continue to do obnoxious things. No one is being the voice of reason in AEW to be like, you guys need to stop, get back on track and make Hangman Adam Page the star because Hangman Adam Page is still a monumentous character in this whole story. If it wasn't for Kenny treating him the way that he did, we wouldn't be talking about Hangman Adam Page. You know, the Young Bucks are super loyal to Kenny Omega, but they're never going to turn on him. And Nick is never going to turn on Matt, which I'm waiting for the day that Nick does because it will just be better. This is a little side note, but it will be best in the character's interest to have Nick turn on Matt so we can get that story going. Because for years, it's been Nick following Matt around like a puppy. And how better for your character to grow by attacking your own family, attacking it for the reasons that you want to be your own man and that you can't side with Kenny Omega any longer because of the shit that Kenny Omega is doing. And I remember once before someone on Twitter was like, the Young Bucks are the enablers for Kenny Omega to do the horrible shit that he's been doing, meaning that the way that he treated Hangman Adam Page, Kenny's wrestling philosophy has definitely been coming out in AEW and this is why I think both him and Tanahashi back in New Japan Pro Wrestling would always butt heads obviously both of them have two different ways of thinking of how professional wrestling works and how professional wrestling should be done and you could definitely see that his philosophy is on full display here in AEW but because the Young Bucks has sided with Kenny rather than trying to fix the relationship between themselves and Heyman Adam Page and then that stupid little tidbit of Matt Harding being the one that sent a text message wrong person you don't insert a third party member that has not been there from the beginning to try to make sense of who sent the text message unless Don Callis had paid Matt Hardy to send it then it could make sense but they didn't add that tidbit so it's stupid and now that the young bucks are dressing how they are and being obnoxious of how they are they totally forgot about that little information and i know that we're going to get back to it but it's going to be a little too late to get back to that story like it made no sense to have matt hardy there at all like they're throwing matt hardy into all these segments because they don't know what to do with him and i don't think matt knows what to do with himself either because fans are slowly returning back and you know he may go back into being broken matt hardy but at the time i don't really think he has a direction no one has a direction in AEW. that's going to be the whole point of this podcast episode there's no direction even with the impact in AEW partnership there's no direction it really felt like a one-sided battle and back to that partnership so we have kenny omega taking home all the belts he defeated rich swan and like i said earlier i don't know how to really feel about it but there was no setup 
towards the end to really get the impact pride going because impact tna have been through so much shit since they started they almost got tanked as well but you know there's a lot of history there's a lot of pride to be a impact wrestler and there was no setup there was nothing hell moose didn't even come down to be like hey this is not acceptable i'll see you on dynamite and you know i would have moose show up on dynamite and just have him beat up everybody try to get to kenny omega and kenny omega is you know trying to hide and be like this is not right i just won these titles you know moose shouldn't be after me moose is a big guy like treat moose like the big guy and the powerhouse that he is by trying to go after kenny kenny is trying to cower because he's coming off of a really hellacious battle with swan so that makes it look like you know maybe moose is next in line to grab those titles back and take it back home to impact wrestling but did they do that no what we get treated to on AEW dynamite is i did it for the rock segment where it's Eddie Kingston and John Moxley in a monster truck, and they basically ram it into the trailer of the Elite and the Good Brothers. And I'm like, why are we going back in time to the Attitude Era when we should be making memories for 2021? I don't get it. This is why fans are upset. Fans want something new, something fresh. And yet we're time traveling. And yet we're having cartoony characters. If you wanted cartoony characters, maybe signing the WWE contract would have been a very good thing. Maybe. And I really care about AEW too much to not say my thoughts on it and to hope that all this constructive criticism and all this truth, whether it's hard to accept or not, can, you know, find a way into the EVP's ears and maybe some changes can definitely happen because I've definitely seen some changes based on some of the episodes that I talk about New Japan and that's happening on New Japan. So, you know, maybe it's time for AEW to actually listen to me and probably start changing some stuff in motion and not be a filler content show. But back to the matter at hand. So I'll have Moose do that. He's destroying everything backstage and the only person that will save Kenny Omega will be Hangman Adam Page. Now hear me out. The only reason why Hangman Adam Page will save Kenny Omega from the destruction of Moose is because Moose is on AEW's territory. Hangman Adam Page is a day one and Hangman Adam Page will protect the company that he loves, whether or not Kenny Omega is champion, but he'll do it out of the respect and pride of being an all elite wrestler. So that makes sense, right? Like foundation wise, story wise. And after a while, Moose will come around and Moose will be like, hey, Hangman, we have a common interest. We have a common enemy. I just want to take the Impact titles back to Impact Wrestling. I don't want to take all of them. So why not we team up together and take out Kenny Omega? Would you not be interested in seeing that? Like, I would be interested in seeing that to see how well Moose and Hangman Adam Page would work to try to get those belts off of Kenny Omega. And then this would be the story layer that jumps off to have Kenny Omega versus Hangman Adam Page down the line, not at double or nothing, because it would be too short 
to really get a good feel for this match. So I truly believe that this partnership is one-sided and there was a lot of missed opportunities. And I wish that starting now that Kenny Omega has the Impact World Championship title and the TNA Championship title, that the chase is going to feel real. The chase is going to feel emotional. The chase is going to feel like it is meant to be and that fans are going to go along for the ride. The thing is that... Nobody, whether you're a fan of professional wrestling, a fan of baseball, a fan of basketball, a fan of hockey, football, whatever sport that you rep, whatever sport that you love, if you know that your team is always taking the losses, your brand is going to tank and fans are not going to get behind or love that brand again because they feel like at every turn and opportunity they're always going to be squashed and that's what's happening here with this partnership between aew and impact wrestling impact fans who have been loyal since day one does not want to see their lovable brand end up always being defeated and this translates over to aew dynamite where the good brothers will always get the loss I believe something like that. But regardless, Impact fans don't want to see their favorite brand being tanked all the time. They want to see some wins. They want to see some breath of fresh air, some creativity. And by the way, you guys haven't even given Deanna Perrazzo your Impact Women's Champions in competition. Like, when is she going to head over to AEW Dynamite to take on Hikaru Shida? She's been asking for competition since day one of this partnership, and no one has listened to Deanna. No one at all. And there goes another missed opportunity for the ladies where they could have had AEW women's go over to Impact Wrestling and Impact Wrestling women come over to AEW and start this feud and start fresh storylines and start fresh wrestling. You know, both teams can definitely learn from each other in the ring. Both teams can critique each other in the ring and be like, hey, next time pay attention to the hard camera. Or hey, next time sell that a little bit better. Make sure to let people know that you're really hurt. Like, it's not that difficult. I'm on the outside looking in and this just pains me of how much lost opportunity there is between this partnership. The only good thing about the partnership is that we got Finn Juice over to Impact Wrestling. We got New Japan Pro Wrestling over to Impact Wrestling. And who's carrying the tag division at the moment? Finn Juice. And this is only to probably set up for World Tag League. You know, where Finn Juice is going to take the Impact Tag Team Championships and defend it at World Tag League. And that's where the Good Brothers are going to go follow them. And there better be other Impact Wrestling Tag Teams on that card. Like, I just need Gato to book it that way. Like, I really do. And I really want to help with booking. And, you know, I'm throwing it out there. But... That's the setup for World Tag League because Finn Juice retained the Impact Tag Team Championships. And that's probably the only championship title match that I enjoyed hearing about and enjoyed knowing that Finn Juice is still our Impact Tag Team Champions. And that's like the only good thing out of this partnership. The other side of it is that it's a little iffy. It's a little rocky. You know, they should have probably thought ahead of the best possible outcome. But I totally get why Kenny Omega is going around collecting the belts. This might be his 
last run in professional wrestling. It might be. Do not quote me on it. I'm just thinking, why would the best bout machine want to go around taking everyone's belts? The only time you want to do that as a wrestler is when you want to go out as the best, as the damn best bout machine and to go out like a champion. And that's what he wants to do. That's what it looks like on the surface level, of course. Because I have no backstage sources. I am the only source of me retaining all the knowledge that I have and watching professional wrestling nonstop. So just think about that for a bit. I just wish that AEW would grow up a little bit and appreciate the fact that AEW is so polarizing that all they want to do is create more memories and more buzz. But if you're going to step to a child level perspective by switching your bio, poking the bear and not being focused and driven in the destination you want to achieve, then the priority is lost. The love is lost. And you're just going through the motions. And then eventually when it picks up, it's going to be like, oh, this is all part of the plan. No, Bullet Club in New Japan Pro Wrestling, that real Bullet Club does it right when they say that everything was part of the plan. Because everything makes sense when they do it that way. If AEW does come out and say that, oh, this is all part of the plan. Nah, you guys just threw shit at the wall and see what stuck. I really hope that all of my honesty, all of my critiques, and all of my storytelling abilities in this podcast episode does not hinder me from eventually getting a job with AEW. I am not the person to be kissing ass to anybody in this business. WWE didn't like it when I didn't kiss their ass about, you know, saying, yeah, the Young Bucks stole the too sweet sign, dude. Wrestlers be stealing wrestlers moves all the time. Like nothing is really sacred unless like you really ask your fellow wrestlers to be like, hey, I do this one move, you know, don't steal it in the show or whatever. But other than that, like when I was at WWE, I defended the Young Bucks. I defended professional wrestling. I even said that, you know, watching Johnny Gargano versus Ciampa for the millionth time where these guys are changing from babyface to face every single time was getting boring and getting stupid. They didn't like it. They didn't like my opinions. And eventually I was let go. But, you know, instead of trying to listen to the perspective of somebody, you rather just kick them to the curve and be like, oh, no, you're a troll and deem them a troll, which is very sad. This is why sometimes it's hard to network on Twitter and to be very genuine on Twitter when you want to interact with people who could potentially give you a job. And my whole thing is that I would love to work for AEW. It's just that AEW needs to prioritize and I could definitely help them prioritize. In my previous podcast episodes, I explained that I would definitely take my notebook around, go to every single wrestler on their roster and ask them for three things, their strengths, their weaknesses and their goals. And from there, we could jump off from story ideas, from angle ideas and work on their weaknesses and put them in uncomfortable situations. So that way they can understand as a performer, you know, the show still must go on. You're going to learn. This is how you're going to learn. This is how you're going to be great. And people are going to be talking about it, whether it's good, bad or in between. 
I want to see everyone succeed in the wrestling business, including myself and including my fellow podcasters as well. But if you don't have a priority set, if you don't have a destination set, no one is really going to be on this journey with you, except for the ones that feel the same way that don't have a destination or a priority set as well. But if you're able to tell people, look, this is a podcast journey. This is me reviewing shows. This is me interviewing people. My end goal is to just bring value into your life as a fan of professional wrestling and in some way change your perspective about something, then I've done my job. My whole goal for this whole thing is to add value, to add perspectives, and definitely to add storytelling elements into what I love to talk about and what I love to fix. And I really hope that when you listen to this episode, that's what you get from it. It's not really a rant of, oh my God, it was so bad. It was a rant of, it was bad, but let's fix it. Let's really fix it. Let's get to the core of some of the stuff. And these are my thoughts. And if that bars me from not getting a job with AEW, then my next goal is to try to get a way in, get a job with New Japan Pro Wrestling, because there's a lot more ceilings that need to be broken in New Japan Pro Wrestling to tell amazing stories and to push these guys to the moon and be their biggest cheerleader and their biggest supporter. Every time that I watch New Japan programming and watch the backstage comments, it really helps me to know that wrestling is still alive. Wrestling still has passion and wrestling still wants to tell these stories and getting the chance to talk about the journeys of the up and coming wrestlers, such as Gabriel Kidd, Suji, Yuya, Hinare, and then talk about the stable guys such as G.O.D. and Jay White and Osprey and also Jeff Cobb, which those are like the main people that I've been talking about over and over and over, but they deserve the praise that they get because they put their whole heart into everything that they do. And I know that every other wrestler that I've come in contact with, they all do the same thing. And that's why I still love going to like indie shows and still watching wrestling because the passion is there. So, so yeah, the goal next is to try to get in with New Japan. And I'm not sure how that's going to happen, but one step is definitely better than nothing. And the idea of reapplying to WWE to finally live out the dream of being a writer is still up in the air. I'll continue to do these podcast episodes because I love talking about wrestling. I love doing this. And this brings me to meeting a lot more people online and knowing that people are listening and people are taking notice. And again, if I can offer you value in a different perspective, then I have done my job. And this has been a really long talk. So thank you for coming to my TED Talk about how to fix AEW and the Impact Wrestling partnership that has been happening for a while. And thank you for taking the chance to listen to the full podcast episode and how I would love to fix things for all parties involved. And this was definitely not an easy podcast to talk about, but I feel like a burden has been lifted off my shoulders and maybe now we can start on the road of maybe reviewing AEW. Maybe. 
I still love AEW. I still support AEW. I just want them to grow up a little bit. And I just want AEW to get their priorities straight. All right, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, if you want to share this podcast episode, go ahead and click that share button over on anchor.fm forward slash square circle podcast. If you are on Spotify or Apple podcast, just type in square circle podcast. If you guys want to visit the website to show some love there, head over to www.ravagelands.com. And if you want to keep the conversation going over on Twitter, make sure you at me at Marie underscore shadows. All right, you have been listening to an episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows, and I'll see you guys on the next one.